0: Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by the Annie Selke Companies. And if you've got outdoor spaces on the brain, Annie's your girl. There's a new outdoor living collection that just launched, and I basically want everything, especially the hanging egg chair. You can browse it all at AnnieSelke.com YHL and save 15% off your order with the code YHL15. I'm John. And I'm Sherry.
1: We like home stuff.
0: We like talking.
1: And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home.
0: Today, we're talking with the author who inspired our shopping ban, as she shares the regrets, misconceptions, and lasting impacts of her money-saving experiment. Plus, some landscape ninjas pay us a visit, and we sort of go back to high school.
1: Obviously, there's lots of things to be excited about this time of year. I mean, Mother's Day was yesterday. Happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms. Ooh-hoo.
0: At time of recording this, it has not yet been Mother's Day, so I will assume that when I listen to this in the future, I will have been pampered and bestowed upon all the things I love, like family time and a breakfast. We
1: will see if that assumption is true.
0: (laughs) I just want like a breakfast with everyone and family time.
1: Well, and one of the things that we're excited about, you know, with the weather being warm and everything blooming, is that we finally got to see the payoff of a lot of the landscaping that we had done last fall. If you guys remember back in episode 86, we talked about how last fall we bit the bullet and had our backyard professionally landscaped.
0: And if you'll remember, we didn't have it done because we don't like to dig. We had it done because if they dig in the plants, they guarantee them for two years. So things that we could plant in the ground and then die the next season or the next year that wouldn't be warranted, if they do it, we get warranties for two solid years. Yes. And a lot of these plants were things we had tried before and they had died. So we really wanted it to be on somebody else. (laughs) We
1: talked about in that episode how we had like $600 worth of holly bushes go put on us like right after the warranty ended. And so we basically just sunk $600 that we never got back.
0: Right. That was just buying them from the nursery and planting them ourselves. So doing this new program with the nursery, like they plant it, they deal with it if it dies, and you don't even have to dig it up and bring it back and show them it's dead. You call them on the phone, and they come out, and they look at it, and they like take the vital signs. I imagine a little briefcase with like a- um, You're
1: you're picturing like an old-timey doctor.
0: Exactly. Like a little um, pulse taker, or they take his blood pressure. You mean a stethoscope? A stethoscope. There we go. You guys can tell I was a doctor in a former life because I know all the terms. And if the plant is not doing well I assume they rush him off to intensive care Back at the nursery And they put in a new one for us And it's beautiful And that one will be healthy And will thrive
1: and also in that episode, we talked about how we had them installed in November. And so it's kind of just looked like sticks for months. Like we didn't really get to see things start to green up. We didn't know how it was going to look. But now that it's May, everything is starting to green up. It's starting to bloom. We're seeing these like decorative trees that we got, like a ginkgo and a weeping cherry start to actually fill out nicely.
0: Two maples that we got actually have leaves now instead of looking just sort of like someone stuck a twig in the ground. Yes,
1: they're no longer sticks. Although there is a nice sort of line on several of them where like below it, the de- have eaten everything
0: yeah you guys the deer are ruthless they eat things they're not even supposed to eat maples are on the safe list but they taste our maples but what we've learned is they only eat them for like one season and then they become over it like yeah. they're like oh i'm not supposed to eat these
1: they're already starting to recover but if we put a picture in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast you'll see on the weeping sherry how it's like an umbrella sort yeah.
0: of <laughs> the like arms of the weeping tree continue yeah. but they they lose their leaves they get at very a certain bare, height. yeah so
1: Anyways, we did have an issue where as things started to green up, some of the holly bushes, we had nine holly bushes planted. They were not looking so hot. If you remember, we had a very, very tough winter, you know, the bomb cyclone and all that. And so as things were greening, these trees were browning a little bit, I would say. And, you know, in the scenario we had before with our other $600 holly trees, They just browned till they died because they were out of warranty. But in this case, we got to call up the nursery and say, hey, we're worried about some of these bushes. Can you come check them out? And like Sherry described, they trotted out at some point. (laughs) We were not home. We
0: didn't see them, but I assume they did have those doctor bags.
1: And they looked at all the trees. They evaluated them. And we got a call back saying that they're actually in good shape. They should recover just fine. It's just some of the burn that they get over the winter. But of the nine, there was one that they were concerned about, and they would come back to replace it. And I don't know, maybe like, what, two weeks later or so?
0: Yeah, we were eating lunch in the kitchen, which everyone who knows our house knows that the kitchen windows look out on the backyard. We both noticed the dead holly bush. We didn't talk about it. It's just something you notice like, oh, that dead tree's still there. Someday they're going to come fix it. And by the end of lunch, when we glanced outside, a new fresh holly bush was in its place. So while we were eating, through the cover of, I don't know, an invisibility cloak.
1: We were just so consumed with what we were consuming, I think.
0: (laughs) We were really into lunch, guys. But when we looked up, we were like, wait a minute. Wasn't that dead at the beginning of lunch? So they, like, snuck in, fixed it, snuck out, didn't ring the doorbell, didn't bill us, didn't bother us. It was amazing. It's like
1: landscape ninjas.
0: It really was.
1: So that's exactly why we wanted this, because we didn't have to do any of that work. Like, it's starting to pay off. And we also, after that, had, like, six other smaller shrubs. I don't even remember what they were, but they remain sticks.
0: Yeah, they were sticks when they went in and they never got leaves. No, they
1: never de-sticked themselves.
0: So we called them and said, I don't know if the deer are eating them or if the bomb cyclone just froze them. And they were like, don't even worry about it. And they actually gave us choices of other varieties we could pick in case the deer were in fact eating them. And we went with some evergreens. So now they won't ever drop leaves. They'll always be part of the greenery, sort of anchoring the landscape. So we'll put some pictures in because it does look different and it looks lovely now that everything's blooming. So go to the show notes to check it out.
1: And my only thing about putting pictures in is we haven't really finished. You know, the pollen's been so bad. We always wait to mulch till after the pollen is gone. So I don't get like a coat of green on my nice new mulch. So it's not looking as nice as I would like it.
0: How about this? Don't judge the mulch. Just look. It's like an ankles up situation. Yeah. Don't look at the ankles to the foot. Maybe
1: there'll be some creative cropping in my photos <laughs> if I can. Well, and rather than play a game or do some updates or whatever, I think we should dive right into today's interview because we finally had a chance to chat with Kate Flanders. She's the author of the book, The Year of Less. That inspired the shopping ban that we are currently on and coming to the very tail end of.
0: Yeah, one more day. When you hear this, we'll have one more day until we're done with a month-long spending freeze.
1: Yeah, and in case you're confused about what we're talking about, this first started in episode 89, where we talked about reading Kate's book, where she basically imposed a year-long shopping ban on herself to sort of kick her shopping habit. And then more recently, in episode 93, Sharon, I talked about how we were challenging ourselves to a month-long version of this. But if you haven't heard all those, no need to panic, because we will cover some of those basics in our talk with Kate. And also, since it's been a few years since that year of less that she documented in her book, we'll ask Kate about sort of the lasting impacts of having done the shopping ban. You know, she did it for a second year. What did she change? And how has that really benefited her moving forward? So let's give Kate a call.
2: Hello. Hi. Hi, Kate. How are you
0: guys? So good. It's so fun to talk to you like in person. I feel like you're like a celebrity I read about in a book.
2: Uh, Then that is not true. Like when you wrote on Twitter, like, oh, you guys are like fangirling. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like when you guys started talking about my book, I'm like, what is happening right now?
0: (laughs) We loved it. I read the book, talked about it on the podcast. John has since read the book. We are actually currently on our own shopping ban. And I feel like it's the perfect time to talk to you because you can like, you're like our coach. We need some coaching.
1: (laughs) I love it. Well, we both loved your book. And as you know, we talked about it on the podcast before, actually a couple times. But I figured for folks who have not heard those discussions or forgot them, maybe we could start off by you giving a quick refresher for everyone about your year of less, sort of why you embarked on it and what some of the parameters were.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I started blogging back in 2011. And the reason I did that was because I was maxed out with close to $30,000 of consumer debt. So it wasn't student loans. It wasn't anything. Else, like I just straight up was always someone who basically spent more than I earned and I swiped for a lot of it. So I paid off my debt in two years and I would set this goal like every month that I was debt-free of I want to save 20% of my income. The problem was that I didn't really have an actual goal for that. Like there was no no reason I was saving 20%. It wasn't for a specific thing or purpose. And so what I found was that I just was going right back to spending basically everything, and then I had this conversation with my sister, who's only 20 years old, and I'm 29 at the time. She makes this comment like, "Oh, she spent $500 on something or other," and I'm like, "Oh, what are you doing? Like, you should be saving your money. Like, don't be spending it all." And she goes, "Yeah, yeah, but like, I save 20% of my income, so I can do whatever I want with the rest." The words out of my mouth were, "Yeah, but like, you live at home. Do you really need 80% of your income, or could you live on less?" and And I don't know like what anyone else in my family said after that. I don't know what my sister said. All of a sudden I'm just sitting there in my own head being like, whoa, like why have I never given myself that advice? Or like, why have I never asked that question of myself? Like, do I need 95% of my income? Or could I be living on less than that? That's when I wrote the rules for the shopping ban.
1: So you basically were not in a situation where you had hit rock bottom with shopping. And this was a sudden change. This was something you had sort of been progressing towards for months. But this was, I guess, a big kick in the pants to take to the next level.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, too, because again, people have that thought like you have to hit rock bottom in order to create change. And something I'm realizing about myself is that that's not true. I think that what has to happen is we have to get uncomfortable. And then once you're finally uncomfortable with it, then you create change.
1: That's really helpful for me to hear because I had some hesitations about uh, the benefits of us going on this month long ban because I felt like we were in pretty good shape. But Sherry kept encouraging me that like we can still do better.
0: Yeah, I think that we still are like, oh my gosh, we just throw stuff in the Amazon cart and we throw stuff in the actual Target cart. But when I look around, it's like, okay, I I have like five cabinets full of decor stuff that I rotate out but I have my favorites and so the stuff in the cabinet eventually ends up in the yard sale and it makes me feel like if I'm still filling my cart with this decor stuff I'm gonna just have new favorites and I'm gonna yard sale the old stuff and it's this vicious cycle so I like to keep myself accountable and say like no I'm not gonna just donate a bunch of stuff in my house and then refill it like I want to feel like I'm actually moving towards less not just like on the hamster wheel of less more less more less
2: more yeah that's so interesting too so for me, the entire goal was to spend less to save more money. And I just threw it out there. I'm like, I want to become a more mindful consumer, just having more awareness about the things that I am buying and bringing into my home. Sometimes I really wish that I had called it something different in the moment. It, maybe that couldn't have happened. But now when I talk about the shopping ban, what I really wish I had called it was more of like a browsing ban. So it's not that you're spending nothing. It's not that you're spending $0. My rules were, I was obviously allowed to buy things like groceries, um, put gas in my car, toiletries, like when you run out of them though. So not like stockpiling stuff, but buying it when you run out of it. And I was allowed to buy gifts for others because I was like, this is about me. It's not about affecting other people. The list of things I was not allowed to buy, no clothes, no shoes, books, which was hard for me. Um, Things were around the house. Oh, and then the takeout coffee, no takeout coffee. Oh, and I was actually, I was allowed to go to restaurants. A lot of people have questions about that. Like, yes, I was allowed to go to restaurants. And if something absolutely came up, and it did a couple times that year, like if something came up, I was allowed to go buy it. Um, that happened with me with a pair of jeans. I had one pair of jeans that I think most women can relate to this. Like it, they ripped in the inner thigh. Yep. And like you can only patch that so much before it's just not going to work.
0: I like step on a stool and I'm like, there it is. The rip. <laughs> You're like, and these ones are done. And we're done. <laughs>
2: But the biggest thing I changed that year, the biggest sort of habit I changed was I just wasn't allowed to browse.
1: I really like that idea that it's about shopping with a purpose or, you know, being mindful, because one suggestion I had for Sherry when we were trying to formulate our rules, I I said, like, maybe we just always have to go with a list. Like Sherry's really big into lists. I'm not very good at lists, but I thought maybe if we had to walk into a store with a list and we were only able to get those things, that might be a nice parameter. Sherry said that was not enough restriction. So we-, we I didn't. think
0: it sounds like at home, you could make a list of things. You, like I want a pillow and I want a chandelier. And like, we want this to be dramatic to reset some habits. We don't want it to be like what we were already doing because we made the rules fit our actual yeah, life. You
1: can't just add like, I want a fun new outfit to your list and then it counts. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Did you find any rule harder to keep than you expected?
2: Really, for me, it was books. And that would be so different for everyone. I think, like, writing your list of rules will be totally personal because personal finance is personal. Like, we all spend money on different things. Basically, from the time I got my first credit card, I became someone who ordered books online all the time. So the minute I heard of a book that sounded interesting, I was basically on Amazon or whatever site was cheapest and like added it to the shopping cart. I would just find something else to add because back then it was like, get it up to $25 to get the free shipping. And I would probably do that like once a week. So that means that once a week, I was having to not do that. And that was a really hard habit to change. I think that's like the the thing that was hard is that it was a habit. It was something I did a lot. And then I had to change it.
0: Yeah, the funny thing I'm thinking about while we're talking about this is this reminds me a lot of John's like removing Facebook from his life, which is a totally different non financial thing. But it was like a time suck for him. And so when John was trying to cut himself off from the Facebook thing, it wasn't necessarily just like there are better things I can do than Facebook, it was having to get really uncomfortable with the amount of time he was spending doing that and wanting to spend the time doing something more productive or connecting with his family or something not like staring at the phone,
2: you know? Oh, I do. And also because I got rid of Facebook a couple of years ago um, and I'm having these thoughts now quite a bit with Twitter where it's just the same thing of um, I'm feeling uncomfortable when I check it. I typically feel almost like anxiety when I check Twitter now. So I've actually logged out of Twitter about a week ago and every day still find myself like clicking over to it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm logged out. Oh, I don't do that. Okay, so what am I gonna do instead? That's so funny. It's
1: like enough resistance just to stop the habit. I totally get that. Yeah. Did you ever cheat or like slip up in something that you regretted?
2: Yeah, I mean, I found that I had a couple of small, like almost slips. I started the challenge in July. And in September, I went through a breakup. And I found myself almost slipping because I started browsing quite a bit then. And it was really eye-opening for me because I had never really identified as an emotional shopper or someone who used like retail therapy. Um, I found myself browsing a lot. There was even a day where I added something to a shopping cart, but it was hundreds of dollars. And then I looked at the number. I'm like, okay, I'm not buying that thing. Like I'm not going to break the shopping ban. Um, So I didn't buy it. I actually did get takeout coffee once. It was such an interesting moment because every other time that someone would ask me to go for coffee, I was just like, oh, like, how about we do this other thing instead? Like, let's go for a walk or why don't you just come over or whatever. But then I had a friend visiting from out of town and we had gone out for dinner. And then after dinner, he was like, oh, do you want to grab a coffee? And I was just like, yeah, and didn't even think about it. And then afterwards, he's like, how's your shopping band going? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what just happened? What? Oh, oh, that. Yeah. And like why I think it's interesting is that was not a habit. I see him once a year, maybe. Right. And so I think it was just one of those things where you're caught up in like, yeah, of course, we would go out for a coffee after dinner or whatever. Like you just don't even question it because that's not a normal part of my life to to see him.
1: I think that's so interesting about this whole experiment because you talked about how you sort of got into it for both some personal finance reasons and also for some minimalism goals. But in the end, it sounds like you took away a lot of lessons about yourself and your own habits, So that all the other goals aside, those are things you can really carry forward with.
2: Well, and apply to so many different things. Like I'm very open in the book about the fact that I started drinking when I was quite young. I quit drinking when I was 27. And to me now, it's really not that surprising that when I couldn't drink, I then replaced that with shopping. And so that year, like the year of less is when I first started to identify that that's even what I was doing. A lot of people actually ask like, Oh, okay, so if you're not drinking, and you're not spending, like, what do you do when you've had a hard day? Or when I don't know, you feel rejected, or just something has happened that you don't feel good. And I like wish I had a better answer than this. But I'm like, uh, the answers that you have to feel the hard feelings. I'm also open in the book about the fact I probably cried that year more than I've cried in a very long time, but it was also extremely therapeutic for me. So even though it was parts of it were really difficult, the hard part wasn't really like not shopping. It was that I had to start dealing with some things for the first time and feel those hard feelings, work my way through them and then come out on the other side. And I was like, for the first time in my life, truly felt like I was okay. Not like I was great and not like life was happy and amazing all the time, but I just felt like okay, I'm okay, life is okay, like I I can work through stuff.
1: Listeners of this podcast know that my word of the year like my New Year's resolution for the year is okay. It's just like to be okay with what things are and how our family operates and who I am so like that. Like, I am totally in line with that.
2: Okay. Well, then I'm excited to hear if you feel okay after the shopping day. (laughs) I
1: I even said, like, we are not putting any restrictions on our dining out or grocery shopping because I used to have a lot of hang-ups about how we spent money on food and, you know, feel guilty about not having the perfect dinner ready at home all the time and having to go out to eat. And that guilt was something I want to let go of this year. So that's why we didn't incorporate that into the shopping ban, because it would just be counterproductive to the New Year's resolution.
2: Oh, I love I'm like, now I have questions for you. I'm just so fascinated by that. (laughs)
1: Well, I was going to say that I know your book was about your first year, but you did continue it on for a second
2: year, yes? I did.
1: Did you change anything for that second year to either make parts easier, or to make parts harder, to push yourself more? Uh,
2: the second year was interesting because what I did do to make it a little bit harder was I decided to keep track of how much stuff I actually used. So literally things like how many sticks of deodorant I used in a year or bottles of shampoo and and stuff like that. And it was not that it was like really important information, but what it has done is it's really shown me what I use on an average year and it prevents me in the future from making a lot of impulse purchases or feeling like I should stock up on anything because I actually have learned I don't use that much stuff. Like in a year, I went through like two, two and a half bottles of shampoo or something. And that's just because I am now at a place where like I only wash my hair probably two or three times a week. So for me, I don't need tons more. And it's again, not super interesting information, but it has prevented me from making a lot of impulse purchases because I genuinely know I don't need this stuff.
0: No, I think that's really smart. One thing we do is every summer we buy sunscreen because we're like, it's the summer we need sunscreen. And then I open the old beach bag. and I'm like, oh my gosh, I did this last year. I have like unopened sunscreen and it expires in two years. So it's still fine. And I think I, identifying the place where you rebuy things too frequently is so helpful because you can stop it. You know, like we went from buying our groceries in the store to now buying them online so we can look in the fridge and see what we have. So I'm not impulse buying more mustard when we already have mustard or saying like, oh, we need more apples. No, actually I just bought apples. We don't. And it has saved so much of that excess, like stocking up, like you said. And I think I broke the cycle last year because I opened the beach bag and I was just like so deflated to see it all there. And I was like, you think you're being smart. Like your brain says, wait to go and be on top of things. You're so organized. But like to anyone listening, I'm sure you can relate to thinking you're on top of something and then going home and being like, I am in fact not on top of that because I did not need that. And that thing I really needed, I forgot to buy. Like (laughs) You're distracted by this stuff that you think you need to just replenish all the time.
2: Totally. It actually reminds me, I should have said this even, like one of the things that really helped me at the beginning of the first year of the shopping ban was that I actually took inventory of the things that I owned. And now I would not tell everyone everyone else to go out and do like an inventory of your entire home but for things like this toiletries consumables if you were to go around your home and just like take inventory of some of the things you own the most of Um, Like the things that helped me the most in the first year were I took inventory and realized I owned, I think it was like 54 or 55 books that I hadn't even read. So every time I thought about buying a book, I'm like, nope, you're good. Um, And the same was for toiletries. I knew how much I had. And so it stopped me from making a lot of purchases.
1: We did this a few months ago and compiled things together. So if we had, you know, sunscreen in the beach bag, but also in the bathroom under the sink, like let's put it in one place so that we can see what we have and have a good sense of our current count. Because like you said, you carry that with you in your mind when you go shopping that like, no, I, I know I've seen the four bottles of sunscreen, I don't need to buy anymore.
2: Yeah, it's also a step I've seen other people transfer it over and be like, Oh, I'm gonna do that with food in my fridge or in my pantry. Like for the first time, they really go through and make a list of everything that they have. And then they start to use up the food that they've got and then like only buy things that sort of complement that. But the idea of just being like, not that they're never going to buy more food, but to use up the stuff that they already have.
0: I totally agree with you because we have like pantry debates, John and I, where (laughs) I'm like, why is there this box of kidney beans? And he'll say like, oh, that came a long time ago. I was going to make a meal with it, but we never made the meal. And I was like, right, but we just placed an order online for groceries and we didn't choose anything to go with the beans. So at this point, the beans are in pantry purgatory. Like they are not actively being planned to be used we either have to commit to using the beans or i am going to make a donation bag and we will give the beans to a family who needs them like it reminds me when i get rid of the beans like not to pick up randos anymore because I, <laughs> I don't want my pantry full of randos you know
1: i'm definitely not buying beans anymore <laughs> <laughs> like i've learned that lesson
2: yeah, john is cutting beans from the shopping list forever <laughs> yeah
1: i think i think this speech was more for me than for anyone. Well, what I wanted to do next with you, Kate, was we asked on Twitter and Facebook uh, for questions from our listeners for you. Oh, cool. So I want to do kind of a rapid fire round for you. Uh, here's the first one. Someone asked, what about hobbies? The person asking had just started sewing and they still wanted to keep you know, up their sewing habit because it made them happy. Did you have to adjust for any of your hobbies?
2: Um, I don't think that I had anything like that at the time, but now I do. Like to me, as long as you are using the stuff, then buy it.
1: People were curious about how the shopping man affected your social life. I know you've said that like you still could go out to eat, but did it have any impacts on that?
2: It's actually been really interesting because this is like probably one of the most common questions I get. It didn't really affect it too much. And sometimes I just wonder if we create these stories for ourselves as not an excuse, because that's too strong of a word, but like as one of the reasons maybe why we shouldn't get started. Like we worry so much about what other people are going to think. And I think this is just an example of that. What did happen up front was that some friends were really confused by it. So they thought, again, it was like, oh, I'm not spending any money. So then they like wouldn't invite me out for dinner. And then I would find out all my friends went for dinner. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) like What just happened here? Why didn't I get an invite? They're like, oh, I thought you couldn't do that. I was like, no, 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 no. I I can absolutely go for dinner if I feel like it. So please invite me. It's so funny. But the bigger thing that changed, I think is that for me, I noticed how often we like as just like a society, at least Western society, we talk about shopping. Like, I was totally oblivious to it. I didn't realize how often we say, like, that thing looks great. Where did you get it? Then you have a conversation. I didn't realize how often those conversations happened until I couldn't add anything to it.
0: You're like, you want to
2: know how much I saved this month? A whole lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Like. You wanted all the things I didn't buy? <laughs> so it didn't change too much. A lot of
0: people wondered about gifts. Like, did it shift your outlook on what you wanted as a gift from your family or friends or not at all?
2: Okay, so I will say I thought I was going to, um, especially at Christmas time, because that was the first kind of holiday ish thing that would come up. So I had this feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm probably going to have a list of like 20 things that I want by then. And then Christmas came and I was just like, you know, the only thing I need right now is a new pair of shoes. And two, like when my birthday came, my dad asked me what I wanted and I was like, I literally need nothing. And he was like, your first year of your shopping ban just ended. Like you need nothing. I'm like, I'm solid. And even to this day now, like when Christmas time comes around and someone asks me what I want, I'm just like, how do I say, please never buy me a gift again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But some of that comes to from the fact like to this point, I've probably donated like probably around 80 percent of my belongings. And I just know that I don't want stuff unless I'm actually going to use it. So I have like gotten a few gifts, but they're very intentional. Like it's like I need this thing. And so my dad will go out and buy that specific thing.
1: Well, when the ban came to an official end, what was the first thing you
2: bought? Um, I bought a tent. That's very specific. (laughs) (laughs) New hobby. It's a new hobby. It was. I mean, like, towards the end of the shopping ban, I mapped out this huge road trip I wanted to do throughout the States, because I'm Canadian. And I also did pick up the hobby of doing overnight backpacking, like hiking trips. So I was like, I need one small, like, one-person or two-person tent uh, that's kind of lightweight. And that is the first thing I bought.
0: You're, like, moving from these superficial things to these really living life and being present and being in the moment. And I'm very inspired by you.
2: Oh, thank you. I don't know about the like, non superficial. I just want to make sure I say things like, I don't think that buying stuff is bad. And I don't think spending money is bad. There are certainly things that I look around my home. I'm like, yeah, that's just beautiful. <laughs> like, And I think that that's okay, because it makes me feel good when I look at it. I don't look at any anything in my house and like feel bad about it. I think really that's what it's about getting to is like getting to a place where you're only buying stuff that you really need or that's going to add value to your life and that's that's where I'm at now so there's no more mindless spending there's no more you know looking at my credit card wondering how I've spent so much money there's nothing like that I I shop for what I need but also the things that I'm actually going to enjoy
0: we didn't really cover how much of a percentage you saved I know you said you used to only be able to save like five and then your goal was 20 but throughout the book there were months where you saved like 50% of your income right
2: yeah like throughout the year got to the end of it and I had lived on an average of 51% of my income I saved 31% and then I spent uh, about 18% on travel and because I traveled a ton that year and that was something I had wanted to do literally since I graduated from high school I always knew I wanted to travel more but I had also always had debt and it was the first year where I was like oh like I actually have extra money in my budget to do these things I can actually make it a priority now
0: I think it's so interesting that people listening might be telling themselves these stories because we all understand we have this like internal dialogue with ourselves. And so I'm listening and what I'm getting from this is like people might say, yeah, but if I cut out takeout coffee, I did the math and I'm only going to save 1%. I think it's really easy to tell ourselves these stories that no, the majority of my income is really like rent and gas and all the expensive, you know, the mortgage. But that's why I love talking about how much you saved because it's very clear. Like no, you didn't even include restaurants and food and all you really were out were these sort of non-essential wants, not any needs. So I'm super encouraged. Yeah,
2: like I know not everyone can just immediately go out and save like 30% of their income, but I do think that even if this story or just like talking about this stuff helps someone go. This is motivation for me maybe to like pay off my debt so I don't have car payments because I don't want everyone to just think like I magically was like, Oh, and now I just save all my money and like whatever. It's like, no, I have over the many years had to take other steps. Like I had to pay off my debt. I had monthly commitments of like 500 plus dollars for a long time and, and I had to get rid of those things. And then I've been able to move on and do these things. So there's definitely like stages to it, but it's overall like where I would say I'm at now. I'm so glad I've taken all of those different steps.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Kate. This was fascinating to get some more background on what we read in your book and finally getting to talk to you.
2: Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. Thank you guys so much. And also just for your support of the book. It means so much. All right, bye guys. Bye. Bye.
1: If you guys haven't checked out Kate's book or her website yet, we will put links to both of those in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast under this episode number 96. And then also, I think next week, since our own band will be over, we will have a wrap up about sort of what we learned, how we did, if we slipped up, all those good things.
0: And the first thing we're buying after it's over.
1: Mine's going to be the Oreos that I passed over at Target the other day.
0: Guys, it was food. And I was like, food's allowed. But he was like, no, I feel like it's an impulse food purchase. I
1: felt like it was not in the spirit of the band to buy them. (laughs) I was just like end cap shopping, which is what I've been trying to break myself.
0: Okay, well, you're very disciplined.
1: Yes. And since we haven't been shopping that much, we've got some interesting word diggings this week. But first, we're gonna take a quick break.
0: So guys, we know one thing, and it's that rugs can be hard. And this week's sponsor, Annie Selke, really tries to make it easier. She makes these durable indoor-outdoor rugs. They're reversible, they're washable, they're scrubbable. Some of them are even bleachable. And we actually have one of their runners going up our stairs. We joined multiple runners in a DIY on our website to create a stair runner. And the thing is so incredibly durable with kids, a dog, and parents who drop things. (laughs) It just takes a beating every day, and it still looks great.
1: Well, and I feel like that sort of thing is especially important as we get into these summer months because people are outdoors more, they're tracking things in. And heck, like I just actually want to spend more time outside. So that's the other reason why the stuff that Annie Selke is doing lately is so cool because she has this whole new summer catalog with a bunch of new outdoor furniture, outdoor rugs, pillows, basically all the stuff that makes you want to just like go outside and sit by a pool or like your imaginary pool that you want to have someday.
0: Exactly. You can see the whole summer collection at AnnieSelke.com YHL. That's A-N-N-I-E S-E-L-K-E dot com slash Y-H-L And she's giving everyone 15% off their entire order at checkout Just enter the code Y-H-L-15 Again, that's at AnnieSelke dot com slash Y-H-L So since we haven't been buying things for many weeks I feel like I'm getting sort of a renewed love affair With the things I already own It's like rekindling a romance or a spark Guys, their romance is with an eyebrow pencil. (laughs) <laughs> I was pretty confident going into this that I wouldn't have to do any shopping for cosmetics or makeup or any of the personal care stuff because I generally don't use very much at all. But one thing I do have is not super great eyebrows, and what I used to do is use like an eyeshadow for them because you know we we can go over this over and over again. But oh yeah, I know. I'm very cheap, and I like to use things for as many purposes as possible. Like if there's a hundred uses for coconut oil, I have tried all hundred uses. Like I will try to make things multitask, even when they're not made to multitask, like eyeshadow being on my eyebrows. So I decided to be a grown-up maybe a few months ago and buy an eyebrow pencil, and I actually got this recommendation from two friends. They both had the same ones in their makeup bags, and I was like, okay, different colors, but the same brand and type. And I was like, all right, that made the decision for me. I'm not going to go try a bunch. I'm just going to confidently put it in my cart on Amazon. I'm going to see when it comes, how I feel. Cut the
1: suspense, Peter Sick. I've got to know. It's
0: great. Okay, so it's called the Brow Stylist Definer by L'Oreal Paris. It has an ultra-fine tip for shaping... Pencil, crayon. Oh, I'm reading the Spanish, the French part.
2: <laughs>
0: it has an ultra fine tip shaping pencil. That's a lot of words that I don't usually put together. Tip shaping pencil. I mean, the cool thing about it is it's one of those two sided dealios. So I feel like I'm getting a lot more for my money. You know, I like a bargain. So it's basically got the pencil side that's like a very, very thin crayon and it winds out. So you have a lot in the barrel and you just sort of twist it out as you need it. And then the other side has what almost looks like a mascara wand. and what you do is you brush that over after you've penciled your eyebrows and they go from looking crazy like you're a clown and you just put your eye makeup on to looking like you're a woman with natural eyebrows.
1: A human clown woman. It
0: takes you from clown to woman in one step. So you just kind of brush it on. But anyway, I'm a huge fan of it. It's definitely something when it runs out, I will repurchase it. It has lasted me a while, so I love that about it. It's very easy to use. It's buildable. I don't know if you understand what I mean when I say that. But it means like, if I put one little light layer and I brush it and I think it's too light, I can do another light layer and build it up so that I, I don't have to go like immediate Brooke Shields. I can like slowly work off doing it.
1: All my brain is doing. I'm not a clown. <laughs> not yet a woman. But after
0: I use the brush, I am.
1: No. All I need's this pencil. What's that? I know too many lyrics to the song. I don't know that one. A Britney Spears song. Not a girl, not yet a woman.
0: I don't know any line except I'm oh. not a girl, not yet a woman. I
1: watched the video more than once in college.
0: <laughs> Guys, John's high school and college crush was Britney Spears, and I forgive him because I'm a loving wife.
1: Speaking of high school, actually, that was a great segue, Sherry. You know I love a segue.
0: You're welcome.
1: This week, I'm digging a series that Sherry and I just binged on TV. It's actually on the channel AE, and it's called Undercover High. And basically, here's the premise. There was this documentary crew that wanted to find out what life is like in high school today. So they sent seven adults undercover for a semester at a high school in Topeka, Kansas.
0: And I know you're picturing like a middle-aged man sitting at a small desk. It's not what they did. They chose kids that look high school age. Some of them look younger than the students. It yeah. was amazing.
1: The adults they chose were like between ages like think 22 and 26. So they're very young adults. And they're very fresh faced, I should say it was not like me with a backpack, you know, right? It was very, very interesting to watch. It was a little bit frightening as well, just because they tackle a lot of the issues like the real issues that high schoolers face today from like, social media and online bullying to teen pregnancy, drugs, violence, I mean, the whole gamut hit this high school within the semester that they filmed. And so it was fascinating having the undercover adults sort of report on an experience in real time because all the kids that they were being filmed with just thought they were regular students. And so they befriended people and were trying to sort of help them out and encourage them to not drop out of school or to come out of their shell. So it was uplifting at the same time. Also frightening just to see how complex it is to be a teenager today.
0: Yes. And how much the phones are tied into their lives. That was the scary part for me. So I feel like if you're a parent, it's interesting. If you just like documentaries of people going undercover, it's super interesting. Like even if we didn't have kids, I would watch this because it's really fun to see like what they find out and the big reveal at the end. And I just thought it was really well done. And how the kids got so comfortable with these cameras following them around because they said it was for a documentary. We're documenting high school.
1: The students at the school knew that some documentary was being filmed. And they revealed later at some point that they also knew there were embedded participants. So they knew there were some like undercover people, but they didn't know who they were. And actually, the teachers didn't know either. It was only like the principal and the superintendent who knew who the undercover adults were.
0: Yeah, my favorite part was one of the participants was getting in trouble because his grades weren't great. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's a pretend student and he's getting in trouble for his grades. The whole thing was great. So again, it was on A&E. And what was it called again?
1: It's called Undercover High. I will put a link in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast if you want to check it out. And it makes me never want to go back to high school ever again.
0: Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast.
1: And if you guys feel like you're late to the party because you haven't reviewed or rated us on Apple Podcasts, don't worry. That's a party that never stops and newbies are always invited. Mm -hmm. Just find us in your podcast library and scroll down until you see the star icons. It takes one tap to rate us and another few seconds to write a review. It helps new people find our show. And for that, we are very, very grateful.
0: And I'm always grateful when you guys tell us what you do while you listen, like Romani on Instagram, who sometimes plays our podcast at his bakery. Isn't that the sweetest thing?
1: Well, and now I want a cupcake.
0: (laughs) Don't forget to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode.
1: Like the progress in our backyard, including the weird way that the deer munched our trees.
0: And a link to my eyebrow pencil crayon thing. Later. Bye. There's not a body I could cover with the sunscreen I own. <laughs> it would not absorb. Like, I have too much sunscreen, even though we're five people who... I like and I, how you
1: included the dog in that count. We do. We have a dog. <laughs> we're four people. We're
0: four people <laughs> and a chihuahua who I actually don't apply sunscreen to. Yeah, he's he's he is like a real baby, though.